0: Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at wwwsonic as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. You can also check us out at patreon.com backslash soniccinema where you can get early access to reviews and uh, short film block reviews like I've done for the Atlanta Film Festival and Fantasia Fest recently. That is at patreon.com backslash soniccinema. You can also subscribe to the podcast at various uh, podcast um, platforms like Google and Apple and Spotify and uh, soon-to-be Amazon. Joining me today is a filmmaker that I met for the first time at the Women in Horror Film Festival back in February when her film Black Lake made its world premiere, and it is going to be playing at the salem horror festival coming up in october and i thought this would be a good time to revisit the film and talk to her and uh i'm pleased to be joined today by filmmaker kxi thank you very much for joining me today
1: it's a pleasure brian thank you for having me
0: what um we'll go ahead and start off uh, with some uh, general questions before we get into Black Lake, because there is a lot to talk about Black Lake when it comes to Black Lake. What inspired you to get into movie making?
1: Um, <laughs> um I've been a terror all my life, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think since I was about six or seven, I just loved scaring people. I love scaring. I love writing horror stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I read The Exorcist when I was ten. <laughs> so when when people were reading Goosebumps, um uh, I was there reading The Exorcist and, and reading Jaws. Um so yeah, I had a bit of an early start. <laughs> and um my dad always loved horror movies. Um we didn't necessarily watch them together, but um I don't know, there was just I just always found them exciting and and I loved writing, um, horror stories. I always thought actually that I would um, grow up and and just write horror fiction. So when I went to university, that's what I planned to do. And, uh, the universe had other plans. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: what are some of the, uh, filmmakers and what are some of the films that, um, inspired you to pursue filmmaking?
1: Ooh, so, um, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead Two um, I have so much love for that movie, um, especially like when you hear about how they made the film, and there's just so much love mm-hmm. there um, and it was just films like that that got me thinking, I really want to do this i I actually thought when i um when I started making movies that that 's what I was going to be making war fests, mm-hmm. you know blood out the floorboards <laughs> dripping from. Um, you know, like the dripping out of windows and things. And I thought this is what I'm gonna do. Um, that didn't happen either. <laughs> so um, you know, I grew up watching um, you know, films like The Exorcist, Alien. Um, I love the classics, um, uh, Rosemary's Baby, The Shining. Um, and um, in my teenage years, I watched a lot of world cinema. So um Ring, The Grudge, mm-hmm. um the Russian movie Night Watch and Day Watch, and um, I watch films from all over the world. I love French cinema. Um, being South Asian, I grew up with Bollywood films. <laughs> um, so yes, yes, um, I just love films from all over. So it's not just horror. Um, a lot of art house, experimental cinema, all sorts.
0: Who, who are some of the filmmakers that you would say have inspired you the most?
1: Tarsim Singh. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tarsem Singh uh, directed The Cell, The mm-hmm. Fall, and uh, most recently, Lady Gaga's new um, music video 911, um, which was uh, quite a gift this week. <laughs> so, Tarsem Singh, definitely, um, I have a lot of love for Hitchcock and Kubrick. Um, and I think when it came to um, specifically Black Lake, um, Brian Fuller's um, Hannibal TV series was a big um, visual treat for me. Hmm. Uh, and I'm in love with the cinema of Nicholas Wining Refn, so the Neon Demon Drive. Um, yes. Well let's go ahead and well, let's go ahead and get
0: started on Black Lake. And I I have now seen the film three times. I watched it at Women in sure. Or <laughs> Film Festival. I watched the- I screened it shortly afterwards, and then I watched it earlier this week uh in preparation for this interview. I I one of the things that's so that really hit me even more this time watching it is how much of it is purely cinematic and visual storytelling. There's very little dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how much dialogue would you say is in this movie? Have you timed it? Like, how uh, much?
1: Um... <laughs> gosh, uh, with a runtime of about 97, 98 minutes, um, I can't imagine there's more than 10 minutes of dialogue. Yeah, dial. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and that was the the thing that really struck me even more this time around is that, like, the first time I watched it, like, it felt very, when we were watching it in the theater, it felt very, mm-hmm. like, a very patient, a very methodical uh, story to watch unfold. I mean, I mm-hmm. kind of had that same experience watching it again, like, the week afterwards. This time, the thing that struck me so much is that the movie moves remarkably, it's a remarkably confident film from a storytelling standpoint, yeah. and it moves very quickly. For a movie that has prob- maybe, if, maybe 10 minutes of dialogue in the movie, it doesn't really let up for a minute, and you get all the information you need. And that's one of the things that's so striking. Um, first of all, where did the idea for the movie come from?
1: Um, wow. So the idea, when I finished filming my first feature film, Maya, which was a few years ago, and I'm revisiting it, so it's not available just yet. Um, Maya was about gin possession, and a lot of people said, "Hey, can you make something that's more visceral? And growing up uh, with a Pakistani background, so I was uh, born and raised in London, but my parents come from Pakistan, Um, Every summer I would go there and I'd hear stories about jinn possession and the jurel, which is um, the witch, the South Asian witch. It's something people still believe in today. It's a big deal. Um, So I thought about making a movie about a jurel. Uh, It's been done maybe a couple of times in Bollywood cinema, but she was always depicted as like a seductress, almost like a siren type figure. And the more I read about it, I was like, wait a minute. She's not a monster. This is a product of violence against women. Mm. Um, So the more I looked into it, um, the idea became more of an origin story of the jor And uh, uh, around this time, um, the GOT Singh case in Delhi was um, happening. And that was a big, big, um, big deal. It really affected me because this was a young woman who was gang raped on a bus... Um, and she was coming home from watching a movie. Um, so the idea of... And as a lover of film and cinema, just just that. Mm-hmm. Just that really got to me. Um, and it was the idea of cycles of violence. You know, horrible things are done to people. Um, and the idea that they then come back to do horrible things to other people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, You know, we can often see this in kind of violent relationships or abusive relationships we have, and not just romantic relationships, but any type, you know, family relationships. So I really wanted to to make a film that wasn't specifically... um, I did not want to do a rape-revenge film. Right. Um, I wanted to deal with the aftermath of that. How do you break the cycle of violence? It comes from a personal uh, place as well, and it's the idea of, you know... um, being in a place where you don't meet violence with violence, how do you deal with that? What do you do? And at what point do you say, this hurts too much, stop. I've got to get out of here.
0: And, and I think the fact that she's the, the, the main characters and artist in it, I think is, is one of the best ideas in, one of the strongest ideas in the movie because of the fact that basically art is very cathartic. It, it can mm-hmm. be very cathartic to people and I mean i you know i speak speak that from exis, from experiences myself as a composer and it's one of those things where it's like if you create something out of a tragedy it it takes on a different meaning and it can help you move Absolutely. through those move through those emotions and the thing that's so interesting about this is that you have this you you have this um this object uh she uh the main character gets uh aria gets a uh scarf from her aunt and it basically you know it it's a very nice gift but as as the movie goes on you you realize that there's much more going on as far as this the scarf you understand that there's more of and the idea and also the idea that the the trauma lingers on objects and on individuals I mean it's such it's such a very potent idea that is handled so subtly I mean it's it's subtle but it's not subtle in the film but the the fact that we don't have to see the violence the fact that you yeah. didn't have to make a typical rape revenge movie in order to mm-hmm. get this point across is what makes it so strong.
1: Thank you. Um, I was actually, um, because I've been speaking to a few people, um, I did mention that there were a few violent scenes that did get shot and I cut them. I mm-hmm. I, I couldn't stomach it, especially because um, when you read the graphic details of the Jerry T. case, um, it's upsetting enough. Yeah. And when... Kind of link the two things together. You think you you just don't need to show it. It's not necessary.
0: Yeah, and again, the fact that it's all of it is basically implied. And then you see the way that you you see the aftermath that the aunt the aunt goes through. You you see some of the things that happens to Arya uh, throughout the film. Um, you you are you play Arya in the film. What was one of the challenges for you as a director also being really one of the only actors in the movie and basically having to carry the
1: movie? Uh, Oh, gosh, it was tough. And it was never the original idea. So, um, you know, I originally planned to film the whole thing in Pakistan. That fell through. Um, Came back and got some money together and filmed in Scotland. Uh, And again, um, it didn't go to plan. I ended up... um, just getting rid of the actors and just changing up the the crew. Um, and I was, in a, I was in a really dark place after that time. And I thought, this is such an important story for me. It it was cathartic for me as well. And I was like, I've, I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember um, telling CK, the co-producer, and um, the other uh, cast and crew, I said, look, we're going to continue. But what we're going to do is, is start over and I will be Aria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody just said, okay. You should have been Aria from the start. <laughs> so, um, because I, I was just, um, I like being behind the camera mm-hmm. and, um, you know, being, uh, able to kind of give up that somewhat, give up that position and say to CK, you're the only one, please. I trust you. Um, so she was a bit hesitant, but you know, she did a great job. Um, it was just about people having people on board that I could trust. Um, so what we would do is, uh, we would basically shoot the scenes, um, uh, and I'd review them, lock them down before we moved on to the next scene. Um, it was, it was very difficult, especially the painting scenes, because mm-hmm. I really had to just lose control. I had to just let go. Mm-hmm. And I said to the crew, I said, it's very difficult for me to navigate the, you know, between acting and directing and telling, you know, directing the crew. Mm-hmm. So I said, so it it was uh that that was pretty tough um but everybody did a great job um in the painting scenes we only ever had three people on set at once so um it was very challenging um but for me personally it was a very transformative uh, experience um it was very challenging and i, I did things i never thought i would that uh, <laughs> lake was pretty damn cold <laughs> Yes, and I don't fare well with bugs, so yeah. that was a thing too.
0: <laughs> when you were when you were outlining the uh, when when you were outlining the story, was it a conscious decision when you were writing the screenplay to have as little dialogue as possible?
1: Absolutely, Brian. Um, the idea is Aria is house sitting for an elderly lady um, in this secluded property in Scotland. She has no one to talk to and you know the idea that you' you're in this place you want to make art you're not going to be on the phone all the time so you know she has a very limited dialogue with um, her aunt um, she's not going to walk around the house talking to herself you know even if she did that would be fine <laughs> yeah so um, that that was it and you know I get sometimes I get fed up with unnecessary dialogue in in, in films not just horror films just any films mm-hmm. and I think so much can be explained through the elements for instance and the surroundings um so i think the silence in that respect or the lack of dialogue because there's so much music um i think it just it helps it it creates a sense of unease you almost at points you might even crave to hear a voice just to be like is what's happening you know what where am i you you want to feel grounded in a voice yeah one of the
0: things uh one of the things i this i think that's partially has to do with my background as somebody who's always been interested in film music and film sound is one of the things I've always appreciated in films is not only a good sound mix and a strong use of soundtrack, which this film certainly has, but the understanding, but the ability of a filmmaker to recognize when not having sound is perfectly all right. And I I agree. I mean, there's no real there's no real need for any more dialogue behind what we get in the movie. Um, everything you know that's basically the only sense of exposition as far as moving these, moving the ideas of the movie, of the film uh-huh. forward. What the scarf represents, how how it plays into everything, and that's really all you need. Because yeah, yeah I mean, you're you're not necessarily going to just around the house alone just talking to yourself or just talking to other people. And uh mm. so I think the idea that there is and we'll get into the soundtrack because I absolutely love the soundtrack as you know. Um the the fact that there's there's so many moments of silence in the movie and I'm still I I'm, I'm so still like perked up in my 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 seat, you know, following uh-huh. the following things. It's it's a really it's a really strong sign of confident and uh a uh strong storytelling voice that you understand the fact that it's like you don't really need you don't need sound going on all the time. It doesn't uh-huh. have to be this wall of sound. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> um we so one of my favorite things about the movie, which you know from us being Facebook friends and me every few months, every few weeks basically putting a track up on my Facebook page <laughs> is the soundtrack for by uh, Burning Tapes. I absolutely love this. Um Thank you. I, I've been it it is it remains my favorite soundtrack of the year. And um where did how did you come across them to do the soundtrack and what were some of your um notes to them when it came to making the soundtrack
1: sure so um it was um i think i just come back from filming in pakistan and i uh, put some bits up on instagram and um either so um burning tapes is darren page and darren and gary they run burning which is records Um, so one of them liked my Instagram posts and I I like to see who's liking my things, um, just to see what they're doing. Um, and I listened to their music. I thought I found out they did music. I listened to music, um, specifically Darren's music and I loved it. Um, his first album, which he released through, um, burning, Witches records. And I got in touch and I said, would you be interested in scoring my feature? And he was so excited. We had a lot of films in common, like Suspiria, Mario Gentos, Sus- mm-hmm. Suspiria, and, and many other things. So we met up, talked about it, um, you know, got contracts in place, everything, and um, it was great. We so I I basically had some tracks in place already in the film um, to give uh, an idea of uh, what kind of sounds, not necessarily what kind of sounds, what kind of feelings. I was after so for example the opening track um I'd originally had um virtual Mima from perfect blue in place and I said to Darren this is the kind of feeling I want um <laughs> so um I had bits and uh, so he knew which scenes I wanted music for mm-hmm. um and he would compose bits send things back to me and what I would do is I would close my eyes and I would just listen to it in the dark and if I felt it, like, in my body, on my body, so, like, if my if my hairs mm-hmm. were standing on end, I would say, yes, let's do this. Um, and then, you know, if something needed tweaking, I'd be like, oh, more worms or something like that. And he would know exactly what I'd meant. And, um, you know, he did a great job. Um, it was a really good collaboration. Um, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, no, that was absolutely fantastic. Um And then having the score available on vinyl and, you know, having something tangible that people could um, have in their homes. Mm -hmm. um, That was great. Um, And as well as that, there is a lot of licensed music in the film as well. Um, So it was just great to collaborate with so many artists worldwide. Yeah. Uh,
0: Were there any particular films that you had in mind when you were making Black Lake?
1: um in terms of do you mean inspiration yeah in- inspiration
0: um, just other films that sort of you know deal with similar themes and such
1: not necessarily i wouldn't say that i think black lake is um it's its own kind of species <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um more than that, what I wanted to do in Black Lake, um, rather than drawing from things, I wanted to show gratitude for things, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So for example, the um the Fantastic Planet scene is uh, is a kind of thank you to Tarsum Singh for yeah. for using it in the cell and amongst other, other things, um I really um what I I guess what I really enjoyed was uh, the cinematography in the neon demon and uh, Brian Fuller's Hannibal TV series. And I really wanted um, to have that kind of feel and look, you know, to that attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Um, That that was mainly, that was mainly it.
0: Yeah. Uh, The reason I ask is because you mentioned perfect blue, which is another terrific film about, Mm -hmm. uh, it's very much a psychological thriller centered around the uh the the main character who's basically being stalked and is 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 really coming apart emotionally speaking and i that that's one of the that it's just one of the best thrillers i've ever seen that, that movie is amazing um and i i couldn't help but think of just in thinking about the movie and rewatching mm-hmm. it I couldn't help but think of uh, Darren Aronofsky's mother either, as well. Which, um, I I adored. I, I I I love mother. I thought I love mother her. was fantastic. I don't think she
1: came mother when it came out because we have been like intensely filming Black Lake. When she saw Mother, she literally looked at me and she said, "This is what life with you is like." And I said, oh. "So um, I don't know if she enjoyed." It, so. Right. Um, no, I mean,
0: and look, I completely get it if people aren't into that movie because it's a big, it's a big and uh, very intense movie to get into. Um, it, re- and I can see, and I can certainly see that being the case with this one. But I mean, I do think there's a lot of accessibility to this because of the fact that the storytelling is just so sure-handed, like you 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 know the story that you're telling you you tell it in a way that's very that isn't relying on just sort of needless plot devices or anything like that and it's just it's just this this simple um this the simple uh journey that we're going on with Arya throughout this film and it's it's done in a very direct and very um very visceral way that Thank you. you don't I really love that word. yeah <laughs> they, that you don't need any of any other complicated uh plot devices or anything like that to get through to get across
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'm actually really glad you brought up um Blue because there is a little there's a little homage to Perfect perfectly in black lake um
0: Yes. So, <laughs> uh, when is the so? Do you know when the film is playing at the Salem Horror Fest?
1: It will be the second weekend, so from the ninth. Um, and that that's all I know. That's all I know. Okay. So
0: So is it uh-huh. so is it a so it's a is it a virtual fest or are they going it to is... have live theatrical? As well so it is,
1: it's a virtual fest and what you can do is purchase a weekend pass for the first weekend or the second weekend or both and and there's like an all-season pass and what I think with the um the all-access pass sorry mm. is that you would be able to um engage with the content so they've got podcasts panels lectures films you can engage with the uh, the um materials for a good 12 months um although I don't think that applies to I don't think that applies to the feature films. I think right. they're available from perhaps the month of October. Um, but yeah, they've got a phenomenal lineup, and it is—it's mm-hmm. it's just an absolute honor to be part of it. Yeah. Uh, when
0: when does the uh, festival start? Isn't it the it's the second? I think isn't it of next yes, month? Yes, it's an,
1: next weekend. Yeah.
0: Okay. Next weekend. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to talk to you again.
1: Well,
0: line, Brian. Thank you. I'd like to thank KXI for joining me today. Um, her film Black Lake is going to be playing at the Salem Horror Fest, and it's going to be the second weekend, as she talked to talked about. I highly recommend checking it out. It is currently it's currently still the best movie I've seen in two thousand twenty, and each viewing that I've had of the movie just reinforces that more and more. Um, so I hope you check that out Uh, thank you very much for joining me on the Sonic Cinema Podcast Um, I will have uh, more on the Atlanta Film Festival as well as hopefully some discussion of some year 2000 horror movies for you I still need to uh, do that but uh, that's it for this time for the Sonic Cinema Podcast thank you very much for joining me And uh, continue to check us out at (laughs) www.sonic-cinema.com.